Hello friends, welcome to episode 104 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level, I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? Two years. Two years. Yeah. We have been doing this. Two years. So, happy second anniversary to us. You too. Here. Let's, let's, we, we actually have glasses. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. Try not to make messes. <laughs> mm. All right. Well, here's to here's to many more. Yeah. Yeah. Like where this ah. Uh, sometimes I think about it's weird. Like I was saying, just saying as we were letting the music play in, uh-huh. uh, that it felt like this year was a year longer than one. Yeah. <laughs> like it was actually yeah. two. Because I was going over taxes stuff, and I was like, oh yeah, I was like. Uh, you know, didn't you have additional expenses at the beginning of this year for the podcast? I'm like, no, 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 that was last year. That was totally last year. And then I look at my expense list, and I'm like, oh god, no, I I set up the show here. Uh-huh. Oh, oh lord, that was that was one year. Oh lord, the yeah, whole home studio. Yeah, it so feels like forever. Ago. It does. It really, really does. It feels a lot longer. And than... forever before that, that we were at Podcast Detroit, and yeah, I mean, just... that that went by in a flash. Honestly, it did. It did surprisingly went by in a flash. I mean, it was a good experience. I'm mm-hmm. glad we started there. I'm glad we started in that way because it kept us really motivated. Yeah, we we had a we had a one year anniversary here. Yes. Yeah. On it was it was one of the first shows we did because mm-hmm. it was right after the pandemic hit. Yep. And it was right around then that we were moving from Podcast Detroit to uh to the home studio. Yeah, wow. Yeah. God, I I haven't thought about the timeline in a little bit there. Yeah. Definitely. It's it's weird thinking about it, that like how we cut it, but it, it worked out that we wrapped pretty much the end of the year with them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then picked up uh, at the beginning of this year uh, here and how quickly we were able to put everything together and get it rolling. Yeah. yeah. Um, you did I mean, an amazing the transition, job on that. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Thank you. The, the transition worked a lot, out a lot better than I expected it to. Mm-hmm. I, I expected there to be a lot more hiccups, but no, it's been good. And we kept all of our, our, our previous episodes and everything. Yeah. And yep. the catalog kept rolling, you know. So if you're missing any, you can go back and get them. That's the good news. It's all up on um, Blueberry. Um, and Spotify and freaking iTunes and... Yeah, like pretty much everywhere you can listen yeah, to podcasts. We were, we were actually looking at numbers uh, yet last night mm-hmm. and looking at uh, some of the other uh, uh, places that are casting it. Like CastBox has our stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of places that pull our stuff and pull it in. So, yeah. 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 And uh, to to you in Argentina who are listening to us, we thank you. <laughs> yeah, we've we've apparently got at least one listener in Argentina, a, a strong listener in Argentina, if not several. And so, uh, yeah, we we would always join our Discord, please. Yeah, hello um, to you. We, we or or at least tweet us something. Right, right, that, right. That'd be great. We'd love we'd love to know uh, how how we made it down to Argentina or or across the pond to Europe. We've got some listeners in Europe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that's intriguing. So uh, I I know. I I, I plugged the show subtly once or twice on Reddit mm-hmm. in a couple oh, of discussion yeah. forums on like behind the screen and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I plugged it on the D&D forums on occasion. Yeah. Uh, but it's been a, even, I think it's been a good six months since I've done that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we're also really big, bad at marketing. Big, <laughs> big shout out to everybody here in our, uh, yes. in our live chat as well. Uh, we've opened up the live chat for uh, to everybody on our Discord, not just our Patreon members. Yeah. Uh, for this episode, we were just actually, uh, uh, Knox in the Box was just talking about, um, 
uh, you know, standing there and kind of ushering everybody to their seats in the live <laughs> chat here and just showing them where the restrooms are. And uh, we got into the discussion of washing your hands. And I, oh, as yeah. I was just about I was just about to tell this tell the story about how um, since the, the pandemic's gone on so long now, um, uh, one of the things that kind of came up when they were really pushing the, the you know always washing your hands and making sure you're washing for twenty seconds is having a hand washing song. Yeah, and I don't know how many other people have done this or not, but you have a song that you sing to yourself so you know when twenty seconds is up. Well, uh, uh, Google and Alexa almost immediately had a thing that would uh, oh, that you okay. could just say it. So Vicky did that a few times, and it's a random song that they give you that's the right length. Oh. Right. Yeah, that all was right, pretty right. cool. But I, cool. I think your idea definitely stuck in your head a lot longer. Well, I, I read on Tumblr somewhere that uh, the first verse of uh, Black per- uh, Welcome to the Black Parade by My Chemical yeah. Romance is, uh, is is 20 seconds yep. if you sing it right. Uh, and so that that became my, my hand-washing song. And it's gotten to the point now where I can't wash my hands without starting to sing welcome to the black parade <laughs> it's it becomes pavlovian it is yeah. it is it is full-on pavlovian at this point that is so. that is hilarious that is hilarious um yeah it's it, i would say that you know uh we've been good it actually uh with the pandemic and everything it actually had us like create our own pods so we could keep doing this without a problem mm-hmm. um I think it worked out really well. I mean, it definitely kept us moving week to week. Yeah. Like, we say it's therapy, and we kind of joke about that, but in a lot of ways, it was. No, oh, yeah. It, yeah. it definitely kept us motivated. It kept us making, making us think. It definitely made us do a lot of research that we didn't expect. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I know, uh, personally, I know I've, I've talked a lot about my depression and stuff like that. Um, and, of course, you add the, the anxiety, the daily anxiety and dread of a global pandemic on top of all that. And spoons have been at a real premium for me lately. So uh, having a, a, a weekly event where I'm kind of forced to get out and go and talk with my friend for an hour about a hobby I love and mm-hmm. share that with people in the live chat and such like that um, has really kept me in a routine. And that's and that's that's super valuable for people like myself who, who struggle with that. So, um, I mean, we joke a lot about it being therapy, but. No, 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 seriously. It, it, it really is. It really is. It, it really, really is. is. So, um, but yeah, no, and the, the, the amount of research that we've had to do for, for the show is like, man, I found myself digging into games I didn't even know existed mm-hmm. and finding some fantastic, some things. absolute gems. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I think for me, it was less about the new systems, although a lot of the, the a lot of the systems I knew components of, I didn't know how connected they were. Mm-hmm. Like finding out when I was like, I, I thought I had known where Robotech was at and and how it had fall, you know, had gone through all of its iterations with different things. I did not realize how far it had really come mm-hmm. and how you know that we are now moving into Powered by the Apocalypse version of it. And there, there's a version, full version there. Oh wow! Yeah, Powered by the Apocalypse Robotech. Yeah. There's a full version there. How about that? Yeah. Huh. So uh, it's it's interesting. And then and then speaking speaking of Palladium games that have migrated. Yeah. You know, and we found out that that Rifts, Rifts. had completely under the radar just moved to Savage Worlds. Yep. Yep. Um, and then uh, recently I've been hearing chatter about uh, Savage Pathfinder mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. as well. The the Kickstarter for that has happened, and I guess the initial. Um, initial kind of like beta test copies of the, of the rules have started going out to mm-hmm, people. Mm-hmm. So it's not the complete set, but uh, you've been getting some initial com- impressions about that. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
so far, I don't know. They're, they're, maybe they're mixed, but I, I, again, I don't think Pathfinder. I'm not really the, the target audience for Pathfinder, anyway. So agreed, agreed. I, I, I never really got attached to it. Like every th- every time someone would bring it up to me, I'd be like, "And why would I be intrigued?" And they're like, "Oh, well, I love it for all these reasons." Okay, mm-hmm. you know me. That doesn't jive with anything I really yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. Um, Pathfinder is a very a very crunchy game system. With a lot of floating modifiers and stuff like that, and it's it's really great for people who do like to do all the uh, as as our as our friend Stephanie says all the nerd math. See, I thought of Pathfinder as a legitimate Munchkin. Oh yeah, kind of. Like if if you've ever played Munchkin, I have the book of Munchkin because I needed to know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is very thick and very ridiculous, but one hundred percent playable yeah. at its ridiculous levels. Yeah, and. When somebody started telling me about Pathfinder, I'm like, Are, is this just a joke about Munchkin with a different cover? Like, mm-hmm. really? And they were like, no, no, this is legitimate. I'm like, really? And there were, you know, coming from, coming from 3.5, uh, D&D 3.5 myself, um, there yeah. were actually legitimate, like, when I was still in D&D mode, D&D 3, 3.5 mode, I should say, um, long before I ever knew what 5th edition was, uh, I gotta say, I really liked Pathfinder a lot. Um... They, they did a really good job of cleaning up and building upon the, 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 the foundation. No, I agree. 3.5 left. I, but, I would agree with that. But at its core, though, um, it's still it's still an offshoot of D&D 3.5, and it still definitely wears those clothes. Yeah. Um, like, I, I feel like D&D as a whole, like, if, if and when we get to 6th edition, mm-hmm. whether it be called 6th edition or it be called something else. Sure. Which fully, I feel like we're going to get closer to more narrative. I think we're going to be drifting further from tactical. You do? I do. I think we are. I think we are getting to a more simplified system with each step, which is good. I think we've we've we're coming closer to having more world in D&D than mechanics. I think when I when, like I've really started to appreciate the amount of lore that they've brought back to the game mm-hmm, and each time they put out a new edition, they're trying to give us more of that and yeah, more more lore. And that lore that we're getting includes things mm-hmm. like new monsters, new locations, new worlds, new things like that. But a lot of it is just taking the existing mechanics and saying, okay, now it now this mechanic attaches here in this way. But you can see that it's the same mechanic yeah, being yeah, reused. Yeah, yeah. And that's okay. There's Legos works for a reason. I mean, I think one of the one of the biggest one of the biggest uh, uh, bonuses of D and D Fifth Edition was how accessible it was, you know. And of course, I mean, it's obviously riding on the back of of successive things like Critical Role and stuff that dragged mm-hmm. into the spotlight. But yep. at the same time, I don't think it would still have that success, even even with you know the the celebrity D and D mainstreaming of it. I don't think it would have happened quite the same way if the game weren't as accessible. Oh, I agree. Um, to to new players, as it is. Yeah, the they're one of the best things they did was bring back the basic adventure box uh-huh. and get people rolling instantaneously. But even the rules, though, yeah, you know, I mean, the rule the rules are super simple. With they threw out a lot of those modifiers, they put it down to advantage and disadvantage and mm-hmm. stuff of like that, you know. And uh, you know, I know I've I've said it before on the show, and I will say it again here because it's topical. Is that you know, I was attempting to uh, update one of my own favorite low rules settings at the time mm-hmm. uh, for my current Elder Scrolls game. Yep, uh, and that was that was Warrior Rogue and Mage. Mm-hmm. 
and I had added a bunch of stuff onto the foundation of Warrior Rogue and Mage and kind of made it a, a rules medium setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I found out about D&D 5th Edition well, well after it had been released. Yep. And um, I was like, holy crap, I can stop writing because they did it for me. Yeah. Like, this is exactly the game system I was and looking I, for. And I will say it's worked fantastically for yeah. you. And, uh, and now the funny thing is, is that tonight after the show, mm-hmm. I'm getting together with my friends on your, your Discord group, yeah. to discuss not playing D&D anymore. <laughs> well, not... <laughs> it's, it's the perfect system for my game until it isn't. Well, I, I think you've come to a point with this game and your sessions that you want more narrative. Yeah. You know, I've I've always liked... I've always liked the narrative style play. Um, I, I greatly appreciate what you're able to do with 7C mm-hmm. and such like that. Um, and I, I see the value in having uh, rules support for things like social gameplay. Yes. Um, I like the system of drama dice and whatnot, you know, mm-hmm. rewarding good role playing and whatnot. Yep. Um, I, 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 at first, I kind of wanted to try Fate. Um, but mm-hmm. fate's just not not the system for our group. I think you know. I yeah. Um, I find fate a little difficult to get into because it's it's so um, it's a little too. I think ephemeral is the word. Okay. Uh, there's not enough, not quite enough hard numbers in it. Okay. And everything's kind of up to interpretation because your aspects are just word descriptions. Yeah. And the few times that we did try to play it, it felt like there was a ne- almost like a negotiation going on between the storyteller and the player going like, no, it totally fits because uh, this word means this. It's like, uh... but I mean, you, it all depends on who you're playing with as the group. Mm. I mean, that that's really what I mean. If you're going from a tactical group that literally rules lawyers, that's what you're going to get out of it. Because I would never bring City of Mist to that kind of a group. For that's the true. same reasons, for the exact same reasons. It, that's true. That's very true. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I wanted to give I wanted to give Fate a look at first um, because I do like to, to to move to that narrative sort of thing, and I don't like combat being the focus of things. Um, I've I've had some good experiences with D anD D fifth edition. I've also had some real like real headache times with mm-hmm. it. You know, trying to balance encounters and just trying to. Um, you know, figure out how six people all wailing on your quote unquote boss monster is going to make an exciting adventure, you know, and you always want it to turn out like those big epic battles in, in critical role, but it never does. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just, you, your, your bard pulls out heat metal and you're like, what's heat metal? And then you're like, oh, and you're like, oh, it's that thing that cripples my bad guy. Yeah. Cool. With no saving throw. Cool. 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 Um, yeah. And I just feel like. They're, 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 and then for for every time every time a, a combat encounter has been weird and awkward and difficult to balance and time consuming mm-hmm. and time consuming because because combat is time consuming for every encounter there then you've got another encounter that is like a social encounter where everybody wants more out of the social rules than D and D can provide mm-hmm. and you and I have had long discussions about how to make D&D's rules work outside of combat for literally anything. Yeah. And they're really vague. Well, let's let me, let, let me rephrase that a little bit. Do anything non-physical. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. In D&D at all. Mm-hmm. Like just just make something non-physical work. Mhm. 
with the same elegance as combat and physical actions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally, the, the amount of pages devoted to those t- things in that game prove where that game is loaded in that direction. Yeah. No, exactly. And, and, and that's, you know, I think that was one of the one of the earlier discussions we had. It may, it may have even been like our first or second episode mm-hmm. where it was we were talking about how picking the right game system for the type of game that you want to play into the type of story you want to tell. And then a matter of matching that to the right players. Yeah, exactly. So, so or, or vice versa. So. And I, I think at this point we're finding, um, and, and luckily I've got this show. Otherwise, I, you know, I never would have looked at Savage Worlds. No, probably not. And I never would have, like, fallen in love with the system. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, and, and come up with whole new ideas. I mean, it is a creative muse for us. I will flat out say that this show is a creative muse for us because mm-hmm. it, it it was originally meant that way. Like, when we sat down and would just have, like, tea chats, D&D tea chats, where we would go back and forth about games and mechanics and what, what was musing us and, and ideas for stories and things like that. And... That leading into the podcast, I think the podcast has now bent back in that same direction. Mm-hmm. Now, instead of us, you know, us doing all this research and things like that, we 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 burn our muse into the store into this, and then when it comes to our own stories, you're like, "Do I have an idea for this?" And we go right <laughs> back to what we did before, and we end up yep. having a conversation either before or after show. Yep. And yep. we're right back to where we were again, helping each other make better stories. Yep, absolutely. Which is the whole purpose of this. Yep, absolutely. And I love that. I love that. I love that we can keep telling stories mm-hmm. and that we just keep doing this. And it's like the, the the whole art of storytelling is so deep that we can, I mean, two years later, mm-hmm. and we're still just as enthusiastic about having these discussions. We're still finding new niches of of topics to discuss oh and sending complimentary uh videos stories things that we find where someone has done something Mm -hmm. with a twist just enough of a twist that we're like oh that's that's cool i i want to try that that's a neat take Um, on that yeah dale kingsman kingsmill kingsmill i keep saying that wrong um just did a thing about uh beholders Uh uh-huh and moving it to a Lovecraftian direction. <laughs> he, so he's it's it was the, the the video just came out. So if you're listening to this to this uh uh on or around April 28th of two, 2021. Yes. Um Del Kingsmill, uh, uh her YouTube channel is called Monarchs Factory. Uh did a whole thing on beholders and how she would kind of change how they how they act to make the encounters yeah. more interesting. Yeah. He sends me this video in a in a private chat and goes, Don't ever effing do this. <laughs> I, I said it kind this of tongue is, in cheek. This is cool, but don't ever yeah. do this. But I, I thought it was a really great muse. And and I'm not gonna get into it because I I do think we should get into dissecting some of the stuff yeah. that she and some other people do. Um, because I think it's beautiful, but I would say if you're ever wanting to see a twist on a beholder, a, a good classic beholder and really thoughtful dissection of what it could be. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It's yeah. really well done, and I, yeah. I, I 100% applaud her. I absolutely, um, absolutely support her. Yeah, yes. and I would say, again, we through this show, we found a lot of muses, a lot of uh, kindred minds out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I found a lot of videos on YouTube that I am totally never going to go back to again because I'm like... Okay, maybe in two or three years you're gonna figure out D and D. Yeah, but whatever you're doing right now is not 
I don't I don't know what you're doing. This ain't it, Chief. Yeah, and it's interesting just to see. I would say on as a whole, as a whole, mm-hmm. most of the top listed, you know, things that you're going to find on YouTube and such uh, for assistance is pretty decent. Mm-hmm. It's either pretty straightforward and or um, uh, pretty uh, intriguing. And I, I think the content that um, that D&D is putting out themselves mm-hmm. um as they release their books and as they uh, put content up, I highly recommend because if you don't want to go grab the new um, book on deities and gods, watch those videos. Yeah. They give you a nice 20 minute breakdown of what they were thinking about it. And then literally probably right underneath that video is someone's complete teardown. And that's fantastic. That is something that I think as storytellers, we need, and we need that for every system and it's out there and that's beautiful. Yeah. We, we, we do need that for every system. And honestly, like you get spoiled by it. You get spoiled by it because like, so I, you know, I mean, I, I can sit there and I can just shotgun D and D content all day. Oh yeah. And good quality content and never run into stuff that is, is like, you know, low quality or bad takes, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. I could, I could, I could do a 24 hour stream of that for a week. And never run out of never run out of good stuff to watch. Probably not. But then, man, try try switching systems. Like I I, I have also recently on top of being in a in a big Savage Worlds kick, been on a Legend of the Five Rings kick. Mm-hmm. And kind of kind of still from when we uh, we did our system spotlight, I went yep. out and I bought the I bought the player's guide and yeah. the beginner's kit for that as well. Um, and uh. uh Overwatch, if you're listening, yeah, we would. We still want still it. Still, very much like to play. Uh, we've been trying to bug him into running a game for us, so, so you know. much. Um, but anyway, um, I've been so I've been on a huge kick for that. So I've been wa- I've been like you know putting in every search string I can possibly put into YouTube for Savage Worlds and Legend of the Five Rings content. Mm-hmm. And and don't get me wrong, there is some really good stuff out there. But what a lot of it is is like. Here's a beginner's video explaining the dice mechanics. Mm-hmm. Here's a beginner's video explaining combat. Like, okay, that's great, but there's only so many of those you can watch. Give me an in-depth analysis of how to build a thief mm-hmm. in Savage Worlds. What edges should I take? Mm-hmm. What, you know, what where where should I put my stats? What skills are most important for me, you know? And you don't you don't get that sort of stuff. There's a few reviews of some of their splat books, but, you know, um, but I think I, I think that's the difference in system that you're getting that as well. I mean, it's interesting to say it, but uh, like, I'm very interested in City of Mist. I'm interested in playing that with some friends and really sitting down and getting into it more and discovering, the, uh, pulling the narrative, you know, and and having that be more to the forefront than I already do. Um, but again, there's there's no real character building without group. And I kind of feel that like Savage World sits on the edge of that. Yeah, that's fair. That's you fair. you you can totally number crunch a Savage World character together. Yeah, sure. I mean, one hundred percent. Any game with mechanics, you're going to be able to toy with those mechanics, to right? But it's a matter of fact how important that is to that story that's style. True. That's true. Um, you know, and I think Savage Worlds allows you know because of the because your characters are wild cards. Uh, because they're they're important in the story, yes. they get extra mechanics and yep. such like that, um, extra survivability and whatnot. It's it's very pulpy in that, mm-hmm. um, and so it does allow you a lot more wiggle room. That's true. That's true. 
Do you think we should actually run through some of these questions? I mean, maybe. Um, Knox had one in the live chat. Which one? Uh, he says, what was your biggest aha moment where a puzzle piece clicked into place? And what was the reaction afterwards? Was it pride, dread at having to rework something, crazy motivation? Um, for the show or something that we talked about on the show that clicked uh, discovery-wise? I, I'm, I'm interpreting it as something we talked about on the show that made us think about our own games and go, oh, I know how, to, how we're going to do that now. I think for me it was when we got into social combat. Yeah, that whole discussion that we had that we we did a we did the teardown like the research that led up to it. Okay, okay. Um, just the con the simple concept of roll first then talk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like what is your uh, what is your approach? I'm going to intimidate the guard. Great. Roll intimidation. Add your proficiency for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I got a 19. Okay. okay. How are you? How are you intimidating the guard? Yep. And rolling going that direction versus. Tell me what you're doing. Okay, that sounds like intimidation. Well, I'm not actually intimidating. I'm trying to persuade him. And you're 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 negotiating. There's no negotiation when I have a sword in my hand and I say I'm using my commander strike. Yeah. Well, it doesn't sound like you're doing a commander strike. It sounds like you're doing a lunge. Right. Like right. you're never going to have that argument in that yeah. direction. Yeah. You might have what would be a better way to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, or meta at the table about that. But just that simple concept of you have to treat D&D like D&D. You can't suddenly shift to a different system because it that you, you want people to role play and therefore they should role play before their dice. Then you have to do that all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 100% of everything you do has to be has to be role play and then that determines your approach. Right. Okay, describe to me how you're going to hit the ogre. I don't know, I'm just going to roll an attack. No, 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 you can't just roll an attack. How are you doing it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, no, I, or I, or I'm reaching into my pouch and pulling out my wand and and pointing it at him and saying Expellero. Okay, so that means you're gonna use your lightning. No, no, no. I want to do magic missile. Well, that's the lightning spell, so it sounds yeah. like you're doing lightning. You know, that's again. I I think that is the 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 thing that flipped my head of like I've been doing this wrong for so long. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, but <laughs> I've but been the, doing a disservice. But there's there's really like it feels it feels like social role play is you know social combat mechanics and stuff like that have only really started to come into games recently um i don't know that they've i mean other than like well okay you're wrinkling your nose at me because you know no seven c no 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 i'm laughing in my head because the thing that i heard in my head was are there any girls there yeah <laughs> i mean you, you i mean you think do you think of of, of D's origins and stuff like that i mean it's always been a combat game and then people started to be like well okay well now i want to talk to the king oh okay is that a thing we can do like i want to be go- knightly yeah we're not just gonna like go back into the dungeon and get more gold and kill more orcs okay well i mean D- D- dms became elegant yeah. in the way that they were describing things and and it became voices. a storytelling game well it yeah. became theater yeah yeah you know, we went from theaters of the mind's eye to theater, and we had theater people playing it who had voices and acting and charm mm-hmm. and poise and intimidation and whatever. And so it became table theater. Mm-hmm. Well, table theater, you're acting. Your acting comes first and the gameplay becomes second eventually. Yeah, yeah. So That's true. Uh, I think, and actually, that that kind of leads into what my biggest aha moment is. Oh, um, is uh, actually when we did Dan Harmon's storytelling circle. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that is now how I conceive of my plots. 
period. It's fantastic. Like it is, it is now exactly um, like when I think, okay, well, where are they now? Where do I want them to end up? How am I going to get them there? And I take them, I take it through the storytelling circle of like, okay. And then, you know, obviously you, you can't write the entire arc. No. You have to leave some contingencies in there, you know. Right. So I'm like, okay, if they decide to do this, it'll go here instead. But, you know, your main arc, like if everything plays out perfectly, you can kind of map it. Well, not only that is that you don't have to map it. All you have to do is follow it. Mm-hmm. So even if your player's like, okay, where is our adventure starting? What are they being presented with? What is going to change that? Those things are are there. That, yeah. That's part of the story. After that, you're literally just following the circle around. Mm-hmm. And as long as you follow that circle around, great. Now we have the your uh, your plot hooks that we talked a couple episodes ago, where as long as you include those elements, everybody thinks it's an adventure. Yeah. You put yeah. three of those things in there, and suddenly it's an adventure, and everybody's like, wow, that was an amazing adventure, and all you did was follow some rote requirements. Yeah. You know, f- make sure you hit those things, and boom, you're solid. And everybody just has so much fun with it. Yeah. yeah it's it, Building adventures can be challenging. Mm-hmm. Building stories can be challenging. But the truth of the matter is, there's just some basic m- meat and potatoes you need, and a little bit of salt, and you can make any meal. I'm so glad you said meat and potatoes, too, <laughs> because that's that's uh, one of those other things that I always keep coming back to. Um, and it was, I think, one of the things you said to me, like, right but right around the time we were starting the show. Because mm-hmm. I, was, I was fretting at you about... Um, I'm like, oh man, you know, I don't, I don't write big, twisty, complicated plots like you do, and and I, f- I feel like that's a disservice to me. And you're like, no, you you don't, you don't write deep, complicated plots. You know what you do? You make steak and potatoes. And I'm like, okay. And you're like, everybody knows what a steak is. It's just a big slab of beef. Everybody knows what a potato is. It's just a spud you pull out of the uh, out of the ground. <laughs> But man, you roast those potatoes to perfection. They are seasoned just right. They got just the right amount of butter, just the right amount of garlic. That steak is exactly as we order it. <laughs> it is it is it is tender. It is savory. It is seasoned to perfection. It is cooked, it is warm, and we all know what's coming. Mm-hmm. It's a big slab of beef and a root you pulled out of the ground. Mm-hmm. A tuber. Yep. But damn if it isn't good, if yep. it isn't the tastiest that we've ever had. Yep. And it's th- there's a reason why you go back to restaurants you know. Yeah. Because you know what you're going to get. You know the quality you're going to receive. And you and when it doesn't happen, you're disappointed, but you're not disappointed with the meal. Mm-hmm. You're asking what happened to the chef. That's how you know you found a place you love. Yeah. And that, that that's D&D. That is D and D, one hundred percent. The moment I started that's, that's conceiving every of, role play, the moment I started conceiving of my storytelling style as comfort food D and D. Yep. Like <laughs> it, it took so much pressure off of me. So, like you know, mm-hmm. just just find like the the of the wonderful gifts this show has given me. That is that's probably one of the biggest ones right there because I, mm-hmm. I it took so much self doubt about my own storytelling away. So. So I'm gonna I'm gonna grab Overwatch's question. All right, I think it's Overwatch's question. I was like. Uh, yeah, because I'll save that. I'll say Hulu is for later. Um, apart from the whole uh, everyone being forced to live in a Fallout <laughs> vault dweller for a year, what was uh, what one thing having to do with gaming tabletop or storytelling did you not see coming two years ago? Oh, definitely. When we the... first started the podcast, so I'm, I got to roll back my head that way. 
Dynasty coming two years ago. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think for me, it was definitely the prevalence and viability of online gaming. Okay. Um, I, I, I mean, I could, I could BS something here and say, um, that I didn't see myself getting into so many other game systems that weren't D and D. But um, no, that's a lie. I hate D and D, and I try to get away from it as quick as possible. <laughs> I was, I was have. Um, as much as I love fifth edition, you all know how I feel about fifth edition. There, mm-hmm. are, I, I would rather play any other game system than D and D. Um. Just but it be- works. Just just because I think my storytelling style is not... But you've discovered that. But like, I've... you knew before that you didn't necessarily like D&D because of what it was, mm-hmm. but you, but every time you looked at it, you looked at aspects of it, of it, not you. Yeah. Now you look at you and realize why. Yeah, yeah. It it feels it feels like therapy that, like, works. It feels like that that five year <laughs> relationship where you're like things were adequate and yeah. things were good. Things were good enough to be. There were happy times too, but in the end, we're just not a good fit for each I, other. I, you know? I keep coming back to a good a good therapy you, session. You wake up one day and you look at your D and D books and you realize you're not in love anymore. <laughs> That's right. Well. It's not them. It's you. They would just drifted apart, That's you know. Right. <laughs> it was mutual. It was, it was mutual. mutual. In the it end, mutual. it was mutual. It was mutual. Um, but no, I, I think like definitely, definitely the thing that kind of came out of nowhere was was the viability of of online gaming. Um, I mean, we we went through a couple iterations of it uh, between uh, trying to play just on via Discord using the Avray Discord bot. Um, uh, we were doing um, Tabletop Simulator for a little mm-hmm, bit, mm-hmm. Uh, and then we finally settled on Foundry VTT. Mm-hmm. Um, At the moment. That doesn't mean we're not going to find something here soon. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Uh, there was uh, Fantasy Grounds as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, Sean mo- mostly played with Fantasy Grounds. Yeah. Um, and he was kind of trying to use that as a virtual tabletop, even long before the pandemic was even a twinkle in, in some virologist's eye. Yeah. Um, but I... Uh, my experiences with Fantasy Ground were not great. Same here. It, same here. It, it it felt clunky to me. Yeah, I think, I think we've hit. I would have not expected as many virtual tabletops as we had come out. Obviously, with the pandemic, that made a huge impact on going in that direction. Oh, and Roll Twenty too. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I yeah. I would I would say I I didn't expect that. Um. I definitely did not expect the explosion of dice. Even with the pandemic, how many different people are producing mm-hmm. and and buying dice right now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of amazing when you look at it. Well, with the, especially with the ubiquity of three D printers nowadays, yeah, and stuff like that. I think people, a lot of people who who might have just been hobbyists about things before they're like the, the the tools to create things like that are becoming a lot more accessible yeah um you know portable resin and 3d printable stuff and yeah. you can actually make your own dice pretty relatively easily you know oh yeah oh yeah the the resin kits and everything it's amazing I mean, what it's, you can do that's relative i mean no right. wrong. i'm not saying it is easy i'm saying it's relatively easy it's you know? it's definitely come to a home market on a way that was it's unprecedented yeah yeah, absolutely. And at a speed that is kind of unprecedented. Like, in less than two years, we went from having you having to create your own molds and people kind of teaching the methodology and finding errors and figuring out the right resins to the fact that you can literally get a kit mm-hmm. for under $200 that does 
everything. Mm-hmm. And then you can just customize that however you like to, to make your own custom dice. Yep. And it's that accessible. And it's not just one group that's doing that. There, There's literally dozens of different companies that sell these things. Yeah, I gotta keep. I gotta. I gotta imagine it, this is also kind of a side effect of the the whole celebrity D and D mainstream boom that we're seeing. You know, I mean, do you think any of those ancillary products like DIY dice creation kits would have the same type of market if D and D hadn't become so mainstream? That's a good question. I think it's hard to tell. I think I think that Critical Role definitely had a major impact on it. It did. I think did. that the conventions, I think with, uh, let me put it this way. I think without it being, and I'll use the term televised, it's not, you sure. know, it's streamed. Yeah. I gotcha. When, when D&D went broadcast. streaming and broadcast, um, I think it went at just the right time mm-hmm. to push the market where it needed to go, because if it didn't, we would have had a death. And that's because we lost conventions. We lost contact in conventions, and that would have put a stake in a lot of properties. Instead, that's very that's a very good point. The indie game market exploded. Uh-huh. People were at home and able to play when they wanted to. Yep, yep, absolutely. And that that, that blew things up there mm-hmm. in ways that no one in t- saw that coming. I, I've seen so many things successfully get kickstarted because people are interested in these games. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, who else you want to grab here? You want to grab uh, Matt Elf? Sure. Uh, what's the most fun thing that's happened on a show? Oh Lord, fun thing. Uh, I keep thinking back to our days at Podcast Detroit, um, with Kate bringing in nerf guns and ambushing us just before the show and when like we came in and we knew something was wrong like because kate's usually either just chilling out in the uh, uh in, lobby area in, in the in the broadcast area already in, in our room um and she usually sat like right in view of the door yeah and, like, we came in and she wasn't there mm-hmm. and, like the lights are off but the, the doors are open the lights are off things are deathly silent in there and we're like caitlin Oh no 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 no! This this isn't right. This yeah. isn't right. I'm my spider sense is tingling. <laughs> yeah, I think we only brought our own firearms once. Once, yes. Once we got her back once, and I think it was worth it. But uh, she got us twice or three times. Yeah, yeah. I do remember that? Yeah, I it was do a remember that. Se- semi regular occurrence. There. <laughs> yeah, it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So I I would agree. I would agree. I think that was the most fun beyond some of the just her commentary of things that she did with other casts. Yeah, you know, yeah. that were just off the wall, like uh, the donut or uh, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> is it eating a donut or <laughs> it was just a slow, slowly stirring some macaroni and cheese? Yes. And oh God! And, and turning turning and the volume s- up on that. The volume slowly cranking. Yeah. 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 So Huluvu asked, uh, "What expectations did you have when you started the podcast, and how have they changed over the over the two years?" Uh, <laughs> I think when we started the podcast, we had zero expectations. Yeah, I um, I don't. I, I'm not a person who likes getting my hopes up about things, um, because I, I figure if I have zero expectations, I can't be disappointed in something. Right, right. Uh, you just, you know, I was gonna give it my give it my best, and if uh, if it if it took off, then cool, and if it didn't take off, then yeah, we tried. Yeah, we we had some fun. Yeah. Um, 
I think I think maybe I expected it to take off a little more than it has. But at the same time, like we haven't advertised really. But, but yeah, I mean, like it's it's not by any. We have gotten exactly what we've put into it advertising wise. But I would I agree with that. You you and I have are are both notoriously awful at um at at promoting ourselves. Yeah, and uh. You know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of issues with like you know a lot of a lot of like forums, um, you know that that we would be uh, you know Facebook groups or subreddits or whatever that we would be in have a very strict like no advertising rule. Yeah, like don't don't come in here and pimp your podcast. Like we don't want to hear about it. Oh, all okay. right. So how do we? How do you get into those how markets? Do we, how do we let people know in this gigantic group of people who would love to listen to it because it's a it's a like-minded group that this thing exists, but yeah. I guess we can't advertise here. So, yeah, it's it's hard. It's a really hard thing. Um, I think moving forward, we're just we're. I think our expectations moving forward are, are just to try and get ourselves to a point where we're recognized. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, at some yeah, I level, think so. like I would like to start showing up in feeds. I think that's the thing for me. I don't know where. I don't even know how. But, you know, I, I think that's a direction for us to go. And, you know, I, I think we're getting there. I think we're taking our time to do it because that's just who we are. I think we're, we're, not, we're, we're not here to drop, you know, 10 grand on a marketing scheme to, to push ourselves into something. Oh, you no, know? no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So, and, and, you know, I, I, look, we're, we're a two-person operation you know, operating uh, essentially out of your basement. Uh, We're getting uh, exactly what we expect. <laughs> We're getting exactly what we expect here. So it's, you know, but, you know, we, we, we have we have people in our live chat. We have, um, you know, we, we do have listeners, like we said, in Argentina. We do. We have, we have we a couple do. over in, in uh, 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 over in Europe. Um, and, yeah. you know, a, a, lot of, a lot of people here in, in the United States. So it's... Uh, you know, I think that just the fact that we do have regular listeners is wonderful. Such that is is wonderful. I mean, even if it's a small community of you know ten, twenty people or whatever. Yeah. Um, we have our impact. We we've yeah we've we've got our we've got our. Own I, I would say we have good. more than twenty people. I would say we're we're sub five hundred dedicated. Yeah, but yeah. it's hard to tell. It, it, I mean, that's the other thing is it's exceptionally hard to tell. Yeah, exactly. So I mean. If we go by our impressions that we're getting, we have thousands, mm-hmm. but we really don't know what that what that leads to. Exactly, we have exactly. no good way to do those metrics, and they they already said that like you you can't look at those metrics and believe that those are absolute. You know that they're a minimum, but they are not an absolute. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Um. What was the other thing that I was going to throw in here? Uh. What is I think we already kind of answered that one. What uh, what would you say is the uh, the one game system that um, we've we've reviewed or done a spotlight on, or even just looked into for a for a separate piece? Uh, like for instance, I know we, we've we've talked about Amber, yeah, and such like that, um, because of uh, various other discussions of of like <laughs> social game systems. Burning yeah. Wheel was one of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so like of all these of all these these other game systems that are not D and D or Vampire, um, 
what would you say is the one system that's really like caught your eye and made you think like, oh wow, like I could see myself running that someday. And and why? Urban Shadows. Okay. Okay. Um, only because I see it as a progression from where I've gone with Seven C. Sure. That it, it removes a huge aspect of Seven C. That is, I would say, the stumbling block in a lot of what I do. Okay. It is very narrative, and it removes combat in many ways. Yeah, yeah, it really it, does. It takes, it takes the chunkiness and, and kind of just sets that to the side and says, yes, it is ha- that does happen. Mm-hmm. But that's that's part of a scene. That's not, you know, you know, it's not the thing that the story is wrapped around. Right, 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 right. You know, right. and I love the way that it pulls together a story through the players. It scares me a little bit because I look at something like that and I I say that it takes the right players to play a game like that. Mm-hmm. But then I have to remember my I have to remind myself that I when I say that I'm thinking of existing players that I play with today. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to mold them into that game and going this isn't going to work. And that's the truth it's not. Yeah. Just like not everybody likes to play Monopoly mm-hmm. or checkers or chess. Yeah, sure. You know, so if sure. you take someone who you just literally played four and a half hours of Magic the Gathering with, and you're like, oh man, this person is totally going to love shoots and ladders. And then you look at that, you, really, and you go, no, they're going to hate this. Crap, mm-hmm. who the heck am I going to play with? Right, That's right. That's the feeling. That is straight up the feeling, without a doubt. Yeah, but yeah. But I would have to say, through this, I've discovered a lot more about what it means to present that to players and being able to find those players who will play it. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you, you you do know that if you ever run Urban Shadows, you got Sean and I instantly. <laughs> uh, we've, we've been, we have been batting Urban Shadows back and forth for probably two years now going, well, are you going to run it or am I going to run it? Right. You know, and when and why, right. you know, with who. Yep. yep. Um, so yeah, if you decide to if you decide to put the put the hammer down on that one, then mm-hmm. by all means, yeah. you got two players right there. Yeah, I definitely plus, it's going to be definitely story. How about plus, you? Plus, Sean and I want to play in a game together. You guys do need to play in a game. We've been talking together. about this. Hey, we have not seriously. We have been together for eight years. We have never been in a game together. Yeah, one of us is behind the screen at all times. Vicky and I are very much enjoying being able to play together. It's yep. wonderful. Yep. 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 Absolutely. I love being in a game for more than three sessions. It's been fantastic. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is the, one of the problems of being a storyteller is you often do not get to play. And I've had the joy of being able to play in games. All those so. forever DMs, yeah. Yep, yep. So, yeah. it's. I, I almost feel like there needs to be a special group for Dungeon Masters mm-hmm. who want to play a game. Like, Dungeon Masters only. <laughs> you know, or something like that. Do you, do you long to play a game but never get a chance? Are you always the storyteller and never the story told? Mm, sto- <laughs> never the story told. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's uh, the truth. We got, we got, a, uh, we got a new t- a Twitter, Twitter follower the other day, oh. and I, I looked in their profile, and it, it had hashtag forever DM. Oh, like, oh, oh, so sad. I'm so sad. sorry. That I want to hug you. No. Yeah. But um, uh, I, I, I do think that that could be a total thing right there where it's like have you dm'd a game before yes how many years what systems once you get through all those great what would you like to play now yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) we'll hook you up with the appropriate storyteller and get you get you rolling right ahead you know and i i i I just think it's necessary i think that's something that that storytellers need you need a break yeah you need that time to be able to play 
So and play with the people you want to play with. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. Absolutely. I think I think that who who you have at your table is super is probably more valuable than the game itself, honestly. Yeah. Um so I don't I don't know, like what 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 game system for me, um like I said, I'm I'm on a big Savage Worlds kick right no, now. I was gonna I say know. Savage Worlds a huge thing, but I would say for you, without a doubt, Legend of the Five Rings. You're you're dying to play it. I'm dying to play Legend of the Five Rings. Yeah. I'm dying to run Savage Worlds. Yes. And so that's so yeah, there's just like two of them there, but yeah, no, I've got uh, like yeah, five Legend of the Five Rings. Like I, I think I would have a hard time running it mm-hmm. personally, just because my my storytelling style and it's 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 more of a you game, more of a Rummel game, you know, or a, 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 an Overwatch game, you know. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, I I would have a tough time running it, but boy oh boy, did my head just start racing with character ideas when I read that. Uh, yeah, the, the setting. Well, and the other thing is, I could t- now you've played games uh-huh. uh, with Mad Elf. Mm-hmm. I could see him running it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. There's a lot going on there, but I could totally see him running mm-hmm. that and really enjoying it, and really enjoying it. Like, yeah, really, really enjoying it. So yeah, um, but so he'd that, want to be in it. Without obviously, a doubt. obviously, those those are my 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 big two right there. Um, powered by the apocalypse, I've definitely got a new whole new appreciation for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I did not realize it was so multifaceted. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, there, there's a couple others that, like, I just, they weren't on my radar before and they kind of are now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't have any particular feelings about them, but I know their names and I want to look into them, like, uh, uh, the champion system. Mm-hmm. Um, so that the Mad Elf was actually, uh, uh. Kind of trying to sell that one to us. Well, yeah, there was that one, and then uh, the updated uh, Aeon stuff. Uh, the updated Aeon stuff, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're, we're itching on that. that so um, I'm I'm in the Kickstarter for mm-hmm. the for the new adventure book. Yep. And so. I mean, City of Mist has had a whole bunch of uh, updates as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep getting. I was on that Kickstarter, so I keep seeing those. So yeah, there there's a lot of active stuff going on. It's it's wonderful to see. Yeah, it, yeah. It makes me happy to see that all of it's alive. Um, and that we're, we're able to be, I mean, be able to study it while we're doing things, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, we got, we got 10 minutes left. We should really jump on Knox's question. And then Hulufu's final question on here. Oh, I think we did. Did we, we did, do that one? Already? Yeah, we did that one. Okay. Yeah. What expectations did we have? Yeah. Okay. okay. None. No. <laughs> All right. Um. So Knox asked, uh, in what aspect over the last two years do you think you've progressed the most as storytellers? Was there anything that maybe scared you a bit, but you realized wasn't so scary after all? Uh. So I think I think where I progress the most, and you can by all means argue with me on this one. I will. Um, <laughs> I know you will. Uh, I I I really think my story structure has gotten a lot better. My story, my my narrative flow, and my story structure has gotten a lot better. Um, I tended to do before a lot more of the um, oh, this would be cool, and I kind of like wrote scenes, mm-hmm. you know. And if they didn't, and, you know, and not not if. When the players decided to do something different, I then had to kind of scramble of like, oh, that's not where I wrote the scene. Um, and I needed to break myself out of writing plays and writing, hard. you know, writing yeah. flexible plots for storytelling games. And yeah. uh, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I think I think the whole Dan Harmon story circle um, thing uh, helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, your own descriptions of like how to move plot critical items around 
because nobody knows that they're not supposed to be in the safe. Now they're in the dust drawer. Mm-hmm. Whatever. The the point is you searched the room. You found the key. Yeah. That was the only thing you needed to do. Yeah. Um, it's Schrod- Schrodinger's plot point. Yeah. You know? It's where you need it to be. It's where it's exactly where you need it to be. And uh, I've, I've done that a couple times and felt – you you – at first, I felt a little sleazy about it. Yeah. So I was like, oh, God, I feel like I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm fudging I'm just handing things. things to them. I'm just handing it to them. But, like, you guys didn't know. Mm-mm. It had no effect on you whatsoever. And at the end of the game, when I was getting feedback from you guys, you were like, oh, it was really great. You know, and I thought, you know, it flowed here. It was cool that we were able to find this thing and move on to this other thing. And I was like, yes, yeah. fist, fist pump. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's the baby. Yeah. You know, it the baby doesn't know what's going on until it's presented to their world in front of them. Mm-hmm. You can totally play that up, and it works. Yeah, players yeah. don't know what they don't know. So uh, I, yeah, I would say, I would say, just um, my my storytelling, fl- my narrative flow, yeah, has been my biggest my biggest pickup. Okay, okay. What about you? And speak truly, or I will fight you. <laughs> um, I would. It's. My prep has changed. Mm-hmm. I will say that I am more conscious now of my encounters and their meaning. Okay. okay. I think I think that was a big thing for me was that um, I was always focusing on the visual aspects of the story like I do with 7C. Sure. That I, I look at how is the scene coming together visually and... What can I do to describe and get my vision out mm-hmm. to the group? And I've started to pull away from that and say, okay, this is a scene. What's important for the scene? Then move on. Yeah. So I moved away from building huge sets on a theatrical stage that if you sat down and the curtain opened, you knew exactly everything that was going on without any actors on the stage. Mm-hmm. To couple spotlights, a table, two chairs. And the actors come in and only what's important shows up. AKA a waitress comes in and sets three glasses down. Okay, we're at a restaurant. Uh-huh. I didn't need to paint out the entire set for that scene. And there will potentially be three people in this scene exactly. since there are three glasses. Yes. Exactly. And that's the whole thing is is that you you have to break down your descriptions mm-hmm. to what is necessary. Yeah. And that's one of the hardest things for me to do. Yep, it is without a doubt. It is not what I learned uh, doing theater. It is not what I learned doing video production. It mm-hmm. is not what I learned doing editing. I mean, it, <laughs> I literally have had to break all of those things out of my head to get oh, yeah. back to the basics of storytelling. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and 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 not burying details to be found later. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best thing that I've done with that is my encounters. Is cut down my encounters to to showcase what is important was there was there any of that um or any of these changes that uh scared you a bit that you've you've come to uh come to terms with like did you have a moment where you were like i'm gonna try this and it's not gonna work it's gonna be absolutely disastrous and then afterwards you were like "Eh." yes you you had your kombucha girl moment (laughs) (laughs) um yes i uh i wrote significantly less for one of for one episode okay um one session i literally only had seven bullet points oh in it Mm -hmm. like just seven pieces of text yep that were two sentences each Mm -hmm. uh and npc names Mm -hmm. 
at those NPC names had uh, their motivations, and that was it. I didn't even have physical encounter mechanics. Mm-hmm. And it worked. Yeah. And it, as long as I stayed on my bullet points and as long as I stayed to the circle for that adventure, it worked flawlessly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the one thing that I still need to work on is knowing that I can stop the circle at any point in an adventure. Mm-hmm. I can pause. Wherever it feels okay, don't push through to the end. Right, right, That's right. the I, I still fail at that every time. I want to get to the end. No, it's it's fine. You you want yeah. to tell a complete story because you don't want to leave us on a cliffhanger. Right. So. I, I hate doing that. Mm-hmm. But I have to remember that you never want to push to exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Never push your players to exhaustion. Because otherwise you'll just have a crappy ending. You want to know what my big scary one was? What was it? Yes, and. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I... I um. So I'm that, like, sweaty, serious, want everything to be super dramatic sort of storyteller. I want Mm -hmm. my players to take the game as seriously as I do. Mm -hmm. And I want these, like, deep, dramatic moments. And then when you get players who are like, my character's name is Dinglehopper. (laughs) Like, you not, you know? Yeah. Um, and especially then when they, when they start doing, doing goofy stuff, then you're like, oh God, no, I'm just trying to sell a serious story and you're clowning around. And there's, there's like in character clowning around. And then there's stuff that you're like, you're just doing this to be annoying. And, um, I have a knee jerk reaction to it now, you know? So whenever I smell, uh, clowning around, I instantly just start clenching up, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, and it's been a process of me to just let go and yes and a little bit, you know. Um, my name, you know, you can call me Aerosmith, was was a was a was a believe it or not, as much as we were all laughing about it, was a stepping stone moment was, for me because I clinched up at that moment. I'm like, why do you have to make a pop culture reference right now? And then I was like, no, that's funny. It works. It no, works. that's funny. Yeah. And then uh, the the surly Girl Scout in was the other one. I was like, there's no Girl Scouts in my setting. Why would you say that? And then I'm like, no, you know what? You have a Surly Girl Scout in. That's fine. Yep. Yep. We just roll on. We're just going to roll on. It's not important. It's not worth clinching up over. Just have fun. Move on. Make it a thing, and then it won't be a thing anymore. Exactly. Fine. You want the Surly Girl Scout in? I'll show you. I'll show you the Surly Surly Girl Scout in. (laughs) And it was the worst night's sleep you guys ever got. It is true. It is true. So thank you everyone for joining us for this anniversary. Um, we're actually going to uh, be stepping back for next week's topic. We're going to go back to role playing one hundred and one yeah, and how to get yourself basics. into character, like what it takes. Yeah, we've had some some discussions about uh, some of our newer um, players uh, who've been talking about. Um, I, I find it difficult to like play a character, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna explore it. Yeah, I I think there's some direction there, and there's some stuff I've researched, and it's interesting to see what's changed over the years yeah so you can find us on twitter at st underscore conclave on instagram at st underscore conclave listen to us live every wednesday night at 7 p.m eastern time on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave and uh hop on our discord you can uh join the discussion there uh possibly join the live chat uh, during our shows you can find that link up on our twitter as well as our website storytellerconclave.com we'd like to thank our patreon members especially our named members Knox in the box sam the arcane asylum sparkle motion veteran and huluvu we really appreciate all the assistance that you guys have given us for the last two years and hope that you will stay on with us and keeping this going our pre-show music is by arcane anthems you can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems 
Uh, our intro music, Beyond the Warrior by Geefrog, you can find that at geefrogmusic.webly.com. And our outro music, which you're hearing now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at soundcloud.com slash midairmachine slash tracks. And as always, big shout out to our families, Vicky and Sean. We love you so much for supporting us over Thank these you. years. All of our friends who've sat with us at our tables over the years to give us these uh, great stories to share with you and you, every single one of our listeners. We love you so much. Love you. Stay safe. Good night. Good night.